You know, I wouldn't be up here today if it wasn't for the encouragement and support of my husband. Um, and many of my friends that have been praying for me today. So I, I promised my kids that I wouldn't throw up or, or faint or anything like that. But um, at this point, I'm not guaranteeing anything. And if I end up taking my shoes off, just mind your business, okay? I'm trying not to fall up here. Uh, Matt and I are going on 21 years of marriage this December. Yep, yep. We haven't killed each other yet, so I feel like we're really nailing this marriage thing, you know? Uh, and we have four kids, which also throws another mix into that, right? When you get married and you think you're, you're going to go off into the sunset, and then the kids, oh man, the kids come along. And uh, we have four kids. Um, the oldest is adopted, and she lives in Iowa. And then our three biological children are here with us in Green Bay, uh, Jordan, Jalissa, and Jace. They're front row and center and rooting mom on. Um, if you ask me, our kids are the real heroes of the family for letting their father live out his God-given calling. Our kids have had many... Sorry. I practiced and practiced and was like, you're not going to cry. I almost brought tissues up here to stick underneath my armpits, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they have had to give up so much for their dad to live his calling, friends, homes, church family. They've been my rock many times through the struggles of ministry. And when it comes to ministry, it's the whole family. Sometimes the pastor and his wife gets all the acknowledgement and the credit but it should really go to the kids who have had to give up so much for their parents to follow their calling. I am definitely taking these shoes off. Sorry. You come to the church where the, the pastor's wife throws stuff at the pastor and she takes her shoes off now. So God bless you for putting up with me this morning. I'll eventually quit shaking. Don't mind me. All right. So today I just publicly wanted to thank our children for being so obedient to the call that God has placed on our family. Again, it's the whole family, not just the mom and the dad. When my husband went into full-time ministry, I never would have guessed that eventually God would place a desire to preach on my heart. I am an introvert that didn't grow up in church, so feeding myself through God's word has been a process, to say the least. I have also told God that I'm not the smartest crayon in the box. Matt's a very detailed pastor, gives a lot of biblical stuff, and he's very smart, and I'm up here with my coloring book and crayons. <laughs> I really struggled in school. I was just happy to pass with a D if I, if I studied for a test. I really struggled. I am not smart enough, God, is what I would tell him. I kept telling him, God, please choose somebody else more qualified for the job of preaching your word. He said, I did. I chose you. Man, how humbling. I told him no. He told me yes. I told him no. He told me yes. And for those of you that know the Bible and the, know the story of Jonah, I decided that I had better tell him yes before I end up in the belly of a fish. So here I am today, obedient and humbled by what God has asked me to do. So please bear with me as I am being obedient to the Holy Spirit, just trying to figure out how to write a sermon, let alone preach to hundreds of people. So raise your hand this morning if you'll extend me a little bit of grace as the Holy Spirit and I work this out together. <laughs> Behave, Miller. <laughs> kind of a crazy side note, four years ago today on the first Sunday in September, Pastor Matt spoke his first message here as your lead pastor. 
And now four years later, on the first Sunday in September, God has called me to do the work of the ministry as well. So who knows, kids? Four years from now, which one of you is going to be up here? Never tell God no. God, you know how nervous I am this morning. But I know, God, that you can still use me as a vessel to bring forth your word for your people today. I pray that you would use this word that I wouldn't be up here to entertain your people, but that I would bring a message that is life-changing to them and their families. I pray that eyes and ears will be open to what you want them to hear and that hearts will be changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to be talking to you about who you are in Christ, and I have titled my message just that. It's called, Who Am I? Look at the person to your right or to your left this morning and ask them out loud, say, who am I? Now, if I have never met you in my entire life and you had never met me and I asked you to describe yourself, what do you think you would say? What do you think maybe you would put on that list of things that describe you? Well, more than likely, the thoughts of yourself that come to mind would probably describe your strengths, your character as a person, your family, your accomplishments, maybe even your hobbies or things that you are very passionate about. For example, I would probably describe myself as a high school graduate, a pastor's wife, a mom of four, a coffee lover. How many of you know I love coffee? I'm a Starbucks fan all the way. If you don't like Starbucks, I'll forgive you. I am a clean freak. I am a lover of health and fitness, and I am passionate for the lost, and the list could go on. Maybe on your list you have things like a mom, a dad, a businessman or woman, a dog lover, a foodie, a CEO of a company, a family man, a sports fanatic, maybe a shopaholic, and if you are, please tell me, we will be friends. And just like me, I am sure your list could go on. Now, do you ever wish sometimes, like, you could maybe add a few things to that list? Do you wish that when you made that list to describe yourself that you could possibly put a few extra things on there? For example, as a pastor's wife, I've always thought that I needed to be more knowledgeable of the Bible, play the piano, be a good singer, which if you know me, you know I cannot carry a tune to save my life, or to be a great speaker, which this morning, God is really pushing me. As a mom, I've always wanted to never correct my kids out of anger or get frustrated with them, but to be a mother of perfection. And then I had children. <laughs> and you realize very quickly that there, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. As a wife, I would love to say that I am always displaying the fruits of the Spirit towards my husband, but sadly, he is hard to live with. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All you married women know what I'm talking about. Do you ever think, man, I feel like I would be a better person, more valuable, and have more respect, maybe if I had more money, a better job, or just had my junk together, so to speak? Or what about this? Have you ever told yourself that maybe your husband or wife would not have cheated on you or walked out on your marriage if you had prettier hair, maybe lost 50 pounds, or were not so harsh with your words? Or the thought may have crossed your mind when you didn't get that promotion at work and that maybe if you were a little more intelligent, you would have more value and they would have chosen you. Maybe you struggle with anxiety or depression and wish you didn't. There are always those things in life that you would love to change about yourself and in doing so, the thought process is that maybe, just maybe, I would have more value or be more accepted if I could change who I am. 
Well, let me ask you, do you truly believe that God would look at you as more valuable or worthy of his love if you were different or the things on your wish list of yourself were truly on that list that described you? Or if, you, or if the things that you believe uh, made you valued were suddenly taken from you? Maybe you get in a car accident and can't work anymore and that is where you placed your value of yourself. Maybe you injure yourself and you cannot work out anymore and that uh, like you used to and working out is where you find your value or self-worth. Heaven forbid something happens to one of your children and taking care of them is where you placed your value. I know for me, I was blessed to be a stay-at-home uh, mom from the time that our oldest, Jordan, was a year old. Those were long, hard years. Being a stay-at-home parent is no joke. I give a shout-out this morning to all the stay-at-home moms and dads. It is hard work. But I did this for 15 years, and then in the blink of an eye, they were all grown up in school full-time. At this point, I questioned where my value and worth was because my entire adult life, and when I say that, I'm not kidding, okay? I met my husband when I was 15. He was 22, right? I was still in high school. I was married and pregnant before I graduated high school. So right out of high school, I was a mom. So my entire adult life, that is all I knew was taking care of my kids. And now I really had to search what God had for me as I placed my value on taking care of them. I guess you could say I really had to refine myself at that point. Maybe for you it was taking care of an ill parent for so long, and now they're gone, and that is where you found your value. But at this point, does God view us as having less worth or value? No, of course not. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure out that these are not expectations that God puts on us for our value or worth. So why do we put them on ourselves? Where do these usually high and unrealistic expectations come from? I can tell you exactly where they come from. Worldly things or people. Maybe it was something somebody said to you. Maybe your parents, a school teacher, a close friend who said you needed to change or do things differently. Possibly a spouse in an abusive relationship. A coworker criticized you for not being like them. Or here's a big one today, social media. The world we are raising our kids in today is no joke. Social media labels everything. You need to have blonde hair. You need to have the latest trendy clothes. You need to be stick thin as a girl. Let me stop here for a second. Girls and women in the room that struggle with this. Coming from somebody that has struggled with an eating disorder for 15 years, that is a complete lie. God did not make everybody to be a size zero. I know many women who are into health and fitness eat super clean and they're not a zero. Why? Because God made them to be a size 12. Now I know men struggle with this too in certain cases, but this is strong in our society for girls and women. Men, you're told in order to be successful that you have to make a lot of money, drive fancy cars, have a boat, have a motorcycle, whatever it is. Let me also tell you from experience with my husband making more money than we ever had before living in Phoenix that money doesn't bring happiness. We want, as your wife and family, is you and only you. The best thing that you can do for your family is not give them the value of a dollar that you earned, but your presence. Intentional time 
spent with them. Take your wife on dates. Take your kids for ice cream. Play a game with them. Throw ball with them in the backyard. When we made that large salary in Phoenix, I lived in my dream home and drove my dream car, but rarely saw my husband. And when he was home, he wasn't really home. Do you know what I'm talking about? He wasn't truly present. We don't make that near here, near enough here, but I have my husband back. Praise the Lord for that. I would trade the money a hundred times over again to have my spouse who is present. We don't want presence. We want your presence, right? This is the same with God. We can do all these things to try and please him, but what he really wants is not a one-minute visitation or gifts from, our, uh, gifts from us, but our daily presence. Show up. Talk to him. Read his word. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been having a great day and then get on social media and see somebody else's highlight of something good happening to them, and then all of a sudden, what happens? Your day starts going like this, right? You're having a great day, you see somebody else having an awesome day, and all of a sudden you feel not good enough and like you don't have as much value as them. We all do it. It's the compare game. Even though the Bible talks about coveting being a sin, we do it. It's hard to not compare. Social media is everywhere, and people post all the good. But from things people post or even share in person, doesn't it sometimes feel like everybody else has their junk together and you're just trying to remember to put your pants on that day, feed the little people that live in your house, get them off to school so that you can go to your nine to five job and be like, nailed it. You been there moms, dads? Let me remind you a little thing about social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is that you follow. Or even a group of friends or your oh so perfect coworker that always seems like they have it together. Guess what? They don't. And the real problem is, the reason we struggle with insecurity so much is because we compare our behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. Now there's tons of things that we could apply here uh, to use as examples, but I'm gonna use the example of family vacations. You probably know where this is going. People are not gonna post the junk that happens on their family vacation. No, what they post is things like this. Time away with the family is the best. My husband is so good to me. We had an amazing trip. Now, sure, there's lots of good uh, family trips, but let's be honest, not all trips with the kids or without the kids turn out like roses. As a mom of four, I can name many family vacations that I wanted to pull my hair out, and not because of the kids. <clears throat> Not a whole lot of people are going to post things that went bad. My husband and I fought the whole time. The kids wouldn't stop fighting in the car. We got a flat tire. It was financially stressful and not approved by Dave Ramsey. If the stalkers are in here, give me a big amen. The baby threw up all over the back seat. The kids crushed Doritos all over the van, and the list could go on. No, again, what do they post is how much fun the trip was and that it was the best family vacation ever and to follow all of the pictures with smiling faces. Perfect real life example, a few, a few years ago, Matt and I flew somewhere, just the two of us, and it was a long trip and we're coming back and you know how after a long trip you're just, you're tired, you're irritable, you're ready to get home? Well, on this trip we had one large uh, rolling suitcase. You remember this, babe? Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. 
Matt was rolling the suitcase through the airport when one of the wheels decides to fall off. So carrying this big 50-pound suitcase, and he's got a bad back, and it wasn't a small airport, so you go up the escalators, down the escalators, on your little train to get to whatever side of the airport you're going to. So we finally make it. We didn't miss our flight. We get on our flight. We make it in time, and we finally reach Phoenix. We're waiting in the baggage claim area and see our bag coming around on the carousel, and Matt goes to grab the bag when the zipper popped open and all of our dirty clothes, including my bright yellow underwear, fall on the conveyor belt and slowly start drifting away from us. Now, keep in mind that this wasn't when we're going on our trip but coming home. If you're like me, I'm a roller. Anybody else a roller in here? Like you roll your clothes, yes, because you can fit more. And my mom taught me this, and she used to travel all the time, and so she had all these little tricks, and she was genius. So your bag is neat when you leave for the trip, and then at the end of the trip, you're just tired, and it looks like a bomb went off. So this was at the end of the trip. It couldn't have happened at the beginning, right? So anything in that bag is not clean, not neatly folded, but dirty. There is no denying that this is our bag. So Matt had to hurriedly grab all of our dirty clothes, shove them in the bag as quickly as possible despite wanting to crawl under a rock. And yes, you guessed it, three wheels left on this puppy and now there is no zipper. So he can't just lift it up by the handle and carry it through the airport to the parking garage, again, up the escalators, down the escalators. It was a long trip. He had to carry it like a baby the whole way and uh, yeah. I did not post that part about our trip. Nope. What I posted was how great it was and such a refreshing time away with my husband. Can I just say, trying to keep up with the Joneses and playing the compare game is absolutely exhausting. We put this on ourselves and think if we could just do what they do or have what they have, we would have more value or be accepted by others or even God. If I had the gifting somebody else has, if I could sing like they do, teach a class, play an instrument, be a leader in the church, know the Bible as well, whatever it is. Well, I have some great news for you today. If everything you have is all of a sudden taken away from you, all of your gifts, talents, accomplishments, high-paying job, whatever it is that makes you feel valued, God loves you just the way you are. Broken pieces and all. Are you starting to understand what I'm telling you this morning? Our value does not come from what or who we think we are or are not. It comes from whose we are and what he has done. Look at somebody next to you and say, you have value because of whose you are. I'm going to prove it to you by digging into God's word this morning because his word is final. Amen? I am not here to give you Kyla's thoughts, but to give you what God's word says about you. There are three truths that I want to show you today. Now, there's many scriptures for each truth, but I'm just going to focus on one verse for each truth. And then when you leave today, do we have a list of those out at the hub, babe? Thank you. There's a whole list um, out at the hub that you can grab that are going to support each of these. So if you're taking notes, now is the time. Truth number one. You have worth and value because you are accepted. Say out loud, I am accepted. In uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Predestined means to determine in advance. So God, the creator of the universe, chose you, and not only chose you, but he planned to be your heavenly father in advance. This is not like in gym class where you're standing there waiting to see if the other kids in class will choose you and accept you onto their team. Do you remember that feeling in school? Thinking, man, I sure hope I am not the last one, one chosen because at that point, they're taking the leftovers, right? You're an afterthought. Not at all. The Bible tells us in this very scripture that you were chosen in advance. God wants you. He is crazy about you enough to plan it out and accept you just the way you are. Ephesians doesn't say, eh, I'll choose them when they're blameless and have it all together, or I'll choose them when they make a lot of money, maybe become a parent, successful in life. No. It says we are chosen before the creation of the world. God loves you and accepts you the way you are, not for what you think you need to be. Truth number two, you have worth and value because you have security in Christ. Say out loud, I am secure. Sometimes in life, certain areas may not feel secure to you. Maybe it's your place of employment, your financial situation, or even a relationship that you're in. Teens in the room, maybe mom and dad have been fighting at home, or adults, your rent is coming up on the due date, and you don't have the money to pay for it. Can I get my water, babe? <clears throat> Everybody likes that sense of security. Thank you. And there are times in life you may not feel that. Can I tell you one of the safest places for me is in the confidence that I am a child of God? Even though you may walk <clears throat> away from God or walk through hard times in life, you can always know that when you have a close relationship with your creator, that things will work out some way and somehow. It may not always happen the way that we think it should, but we can have the security in knowing that we serve a God who knows things that we don't and sees things that we cannot. He plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future, just like in Jeremiah 29, 11. God sees things and hears things you don't. So if that means he removes somebody from your life, maybe he heard something or saw something that you didn't and you need to be thankful for it. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We ourselves can separate from God, but he always chooses us, and he stays exactly where he is. He is anchored. He is secure, and we can be secure in his promises. So if you run away from God and you come back, did he move? No, he is still there. He is secure. Truth number three, 
You have value and worth because you are significant. Say out loud, I am accepted. I am secure. I am significant. The definition of significant is sufficiently great or important to be worthy. There's that worth word of attention. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. Do you hear me? Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So even if you're the best NFL player, the best cook, the hardest worker at your workplace, the best husband, the best wife, maybe you are valued in your mind by being the best housekeeper or whatever it is that you think defines you and makes you worthy of value or worth to people and God. But this scripture right here proves you wrong. When you're struggling and thinking that maybe you need to be something you're not to earn approval or to have value, go back to this message, go back to these scriptures. Do you realize that every time you tell yourself that you aren't good enough the way that you are, that you're actually telling God, the creator of the universe, that he did a bad job of creating you? It's true. Uh, hey, God. Um, yeah, I think you went a little fast when you created me. Um, I really wouldn't have struggled in school as much if you would have given me a higher IQ. Um, hey, God, my friends can eat whatever they want, and I look at a bag of Doritos and gain five pounds. Like, I think you, you should have given me a higher metabolism, and I think you really messed up on that one. Uh, hey, God, you know, if I was a little bit taller, I could have been that basketball star that I wanted to be. Uh, God, I think I was supposed to be a little more talented, you know, like being able to play the piano or something as a pastor's wife would have been a little helpful. God, I think you meant to make me blonde. It sure would have saved my husband a lot of money. <laughs> and not a brunette. God, I am sure that you were supposed to create me with a smaller nose. Have you seen this honker? God, I'm pretty sure I was born into the wrong family. Because it sure would have been born, uh, easier to be born into a Christian home. You know what this tells him when we think these things or even say these things? It says, hey up there, I think you got it all wrong. Talk about a slap in the face. God created each and every one of us to look different, act different, walk different, talk different, have different spiritual gifts or even natural abilities to do things better or worse than others. Why? Why did he do that? Because he knew in advance what he created you for. Everybody's assignment is different. If it wasn't for him making you unique, then you wouldn't be able to carry out the calling that he has for your life. He made you exactly how you are, on purpose, for a purpose, and no good works can make you have more value or worth. The day you enter this world without all of the things that you think do or do not describe you, you had worth. It does not matter how much money you make, your job title, if you're a good cook, a good housekeeper, the number on the scale does not give you value. Women that struggle with this, did you hear me? The number on the scale does not give you value. 
The size of jeans you have to buy does not give you value. That's not where it comes from. How much money is in your bank account doesn't give you value. The car you drive, how much scripture you know and have memorized, how much you serve at the church. Sure, it pleases God to know that you serve as people and we're supposed to do that. Even Jesus came to serve. Yes, he wants you to know his word and memorize it so when the enemy rises up, you can fight the battle with the full armor of God. But let me tell you, these things do not determine your value or your worth to God. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You have value because you were created by the almighty God who is crazy in love with you. Look at the person next to you and tell them, God is crazy about you. Say out loud, God is crazy about me. Next time you're told that you aren't good enough from someone or yourself, which is a complete lie from the pit of hell, by the way, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and repeat these three truths I'm giving you today. Like I said earlier, you can grab a handout from the hub as you leave today with several scriptures to use that support these truths that you can tuck in your Bible, put at your office at work, your bedside table, in your car, tape them to your bathroom mirror. I have them in my, my workout room. Whenever you look at, uh, look at it, uh, you can remind yourself of these three truths. Church, listen to me. You are accepted the way you are now. You are secure the way you are now. And you are significant. Pastor Matt. Amen. Good job, babe. Did she do a great job? So proud of her getting up here. Tell you what, she's been uh, she's been nervous, and I just I just say get up there and do it. It's not a big deal, and, <laughs> and then I forget. Uh, before such great great points, I want to focus on just one of them uh, as we leave here today. It was her point on God being the anchor. And how many times do we say, you know, I, I just don't feel close to God anymore? I or maybe you're in here and you've never felt close to God. Well, I want to let you know what a great illustration of him being the anchor. The truth is he is not the one that's moved. If you don't feel close to God or you don't feel connected to God, he has not been the one that has moved. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, every time in my life when I don't feel close to God, it's not because he's moved. It's because I have moved away from him. And I believe that we might have some people in here today that that maybe you're at that point in your life where you have, you have felt like you have moved, you, you feel like you've been distant from God. Or maybe there's some people in here today that you, you've never felt close to God because you've never surrendered your life to Him. And so before we close this, this message out today and, and we head out for the, for the food and the clothes and the, and the food, food pantry and all that stuff, I'm just gonna ask you very, very quick just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to talk to you for just a moment regarding this, this truth of God being the anchor. And would you say that maybe you're in here today and you have, you have slipped away from him. Maybe you're not where you want to be with him. Or maybe you're in here today and you say, I, I, I've never been close to God because I've never surrendered my life to him. First of all, for those of you that have that have been close to God before and maybe today you feel like you have, you've slipped, slipped away, 
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just, I want to pray a special prayer over you. We're going to do two prayers today. This is the first one. If that's you, if you say, Pastor, I just, I'm not as close to God as I want, as, as I once was. And today I realize that and, and it's time for me to, to, to recommit, to surrender my life to him. If, if that's you, what, would you just lift your hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for? Wow. Yeah, they're going up all over. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray for those that just lifted their hand to admit, to confess that maybe they're not as close to you as they want to be, as they need to be, as maybe they once were. And Lord, as they leave this place today, I pray that this message would continue to, to penetrate their heart. And God, they would get back to that place when they leave here today to say no more. I'm going to recommit God, I'm going to give you my time in the morning. I'm going to give you time in the afternoon. I'm going to, I'm going to take some time during the day to get back in your word and to, to seek your face. And I'm going to start that right away. Because, God, I need you in my life. Thank you, Father. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're one of the, you fit the other description. Maybe you've never been close to God. Maybe you're in here today and... And you don't know why you came in. Maybe a friend brought you in. Maybe you coming off the bus. Maybe you just wandered in. You live close or whatever it might be. And you say, I'm just going to go try this place out today. But I want you to know that God brought you in here because he loves you, like Kyla said. And he wanted you in here for this moment right now. Some of you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And, and if I would ask you, if, if you would die today, would you go to heaven? You, you couldn't answer that question honestly. I don't know if I would go to heaven. I want to give you that assurance today before you leave. You're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you a chance to get your life right with God before you leave. Some of you in this room, you need God in your life and you need him in your life bad. And this is your moment right now. God brought you into this place for this moment right here. And so once again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this time what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if you want me to, if you want prayer today, if you say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. I'm ready to repent of my sin, confess my sin. If that's you, I want to pray with you. And just so I know who I'm praying for when I get to three, I want to see your hand. And we're going to pray together today before we leave this place. If you want to get your life right with God on the count of three, I want to see your hand. One, two, three. Right now, just put them up. Put them up. Yes, yes. I see them in the middle. Yes, thank you, God. Off to the side here, I see your hands. In the front, I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. God, I thank you for the miracle of salvation. I thank you for this. This is the greatest miracle, what you're doing right now. You're turning people from the, the road of death to the road of life. Now listen to me. Those of you that just lifted your hand, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to say it slowly. And I want you to very boldly say this after me. Those of you that didn't say it, I encourage you to say it with those that did lift their hand to encourage them today. But we're going to say this prayer together loud and strong. And I want you to imagine as you're speaking these words that Jesus is sitting right in front of you. And so when you speak these words, you're not speaking them to me. You're speaking them to him. You're speaking them to God. So let's pray, pray this together loud and strong. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I confess that I am a sinner. I have sinned against heaven. 
I've sinned against you. And I ask you, God, to forgive me. Today, I am making Jesus Christ my Lord, my God, and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price and dying on the cross for my sin so that I can have new life, so that I can be set free. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Can